Well, here's the process of the blacksmith shop. It looks a little different. First of all, the steel is chosen. It's not chosen for its beauty or even for its strength. The steel is chosen for its ability to be tempered. It's chosen for its ability to bend and be molded. Sometimes we think the saw way, the tallest and the most handsome wins. The Lord said, you can have that if you want, but it's not gonna last. Give me a little red-headed David with a slingshot and I'll make a king out of him. Not the last son of Jesse. Not the one he didn't even bring up for the lineup. Really, not him. God says, I'm not looking for the tallest and the most handsome. I'm looking for somebody that's willing to bend. I'm looking for somebody that's willing to pray. I'm looking for somebody that just won't quit. I can take you and mold you into anything I need to be. And it's amazing to me how twisted up, rusty, chinked up piece of metals can go through a process and come out looking like a king's sword. This did not always look like this. There was a day that this would have been left on the scrap pile. There was a day this might have started out in a junkyard where somebody threw it away thinking it was worthless, but God said, it's bendable, it's usable. I'll take it and I'll use it for the master's use. Some of you may feel like you were thrown away, but in the master's hand, he can either turn you into a beautiful vessel or he can make you into a weapon that can take down the enemies of your life and set other captives free. So the first thing that happens is that it's chosen so it can be tempered. The next thing that happens is that this steel has to go through the kindling. Now the kindling is 700 degrees. When you're in a 700 degree fire, that's when you're the most dangerous. So can I give you some fatherly advice? Don't make any major decisions when you're in the fire. As a matter of fact, don't talk much. Because the words of your mouth can burn your own house down if you're not careful when you're 700 degrees. When you get heated up to 700 degrees, most of the things you say, you will regret saying them when it's over. And God says, I have to put you through these fiery trials. It's the only way to be tempered. It's the only way to be strong. It's the only way to grow. It's the only way to find disciplines. I don't want to put you through those, but I have to. Listen to what First Peter says about those fiery trials. Listen to this. I love this. Beloved, now this is for somebody. I'm telling you, I had to underline this and highlight it on my notes because this is for somebody. This, is, this might be the word you came for tonight. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which has been sent to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Okay, let's just be honest. Just be honest. I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna tell me. How many thought, why me, Lord? I know you never thought that, right? Why me, why me, Lord? God, everybody else don't have to go through this. I know you've never said that. Nobody else has to do this. Why can't I be like them, God? Nobody else. God says, don't think it's strange, like something strange has happened to you because you're in a process of growth, but rejoice, which is hard, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings 
that when his glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceedingly joy. God, I don't know how you're going to get any glory out of this, but help me to make it. God, I don't know how you're going to get it, but help me keep my mouth shut. God, I don't know how you're going to get any glory, but give me faith to keep walking. Give me enough faith to wake up tomorrow morning when I don't even really want to wake up and I don't even really want to get out of bed because of this fiery trial. Nothing strange is happening to you. It's a process that is taking you somewhere. You can be a vessel and you can be used, but God needs somebody to be a weapon. There are some Amalekites that have lived long enough. There are some, there are some demons that have troubled you and your family long enough. Somebody has to be strong enough to take them out. The Lord said, don't think it's strange. So the fire is twofold. First of all, it's your trial, but it's also a refiner's fire. Now, we, we learn about the refiner's fire in the book of Malachi. And let me, let me read this to you because you have to realize how this passage begins in Malachi. So the refiner's fire is, to, is how gold and silver is refined. And what happens is it burns out the impurities. The refiner's fire refines. It does not incinerate. So the refiner's fire does not act like a forest fire that breaks out and burns everything down. It doesn't act like an incinerator that destroys everything. It is just burning out the impurities. So Malachi, listen to how Malachi 2.17 starts. And this is very convicting for me. And I, 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 I might, it might be convicting for you because it really hit me hard when the Lord told me to say this. I said, really, I gotta say this? He said, yep, I wrote it, you gotta say it. So here it goes. You have wearied the Lord with your words. I know none of you have ever done that. So let's, uh, what state you want me to pick on? Alaska? Anybody from Alaska? They only do this in, the, oh, well, I can't do Alaska. Well, Lord have mercy. How about Japan? Anybody from Japan? Anybody from North Korea? This only happens in North Korea. There we go. I found one I could pick on there. All right. So you want, I know none of you have ever done this. But somebody has. He put this in there. You have wearied me with your words. And this is what you said. He said, how have I wearied you? He says, you said that everyone who does good, who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and that he delights in them. You said, where is the God of justice? God said, mm-hmm, you don't trust me, do you? You think I'm just turning my eyes away from all of this wickedness. So you, you, you said it with your mouth. You just think I'm not looking. You think I don't care. You think I don't understand the sadness of the world around you. And the Lord said, you have worn me out with this. He said, I have not proven myself to you. How many times do I have to pay the bills? How many times do I have to heal your body? How many times do I have to bless you and bless you again? How many, how, many, how many moments, how many nights with the king? What's it gonna take? How many songs do I have to sing you? How many dreams do I have to give you? How many words do I have to give you for you to trust me in difficult days? But the Lord said, you didn't trust me. Instead, you talked about me. And the Lord said, you wore me out. So I'm going to help you out here. I'm going to send a messenger to help you out. And the Lord said, he is, the Lord is going to come to his temple. So he's going to start at the church, the messenger of the covenant to whom you will delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who will endure in the day is coming? For who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. Okay, this is going to tell on a few folks because I don't think they do this anymore. Maybe they do. They should probably. How many of you ever had your mama wash your mouth out with soap because you said a bad word? 
All right. Now, I'm telling you, that's a generation I'm looking at right there. I see a few young people raising their hands. I think if we practiced that, we'd have a few less bad words, right? But it's a launderer's soap. God says, I'm going to send you something that is going to burn out the impurities. I'm going to send you something that's going to wash you and take you to God's laundromat. It's going to purify you the same way I purify gold and the same way I purify silver. This fire is not meant to destroy you. This fire is meant to change your world. This fire is not meant to hurt you. This fire is meant to change your words. I'm trying to put faith talk in your mouth. I'm trying to put a prayer in your mouth. I'm trying to put a praise in your mouth. I'm not putting you through this because I like to see you suffer. I'm putting you through this because I know you'll crawl up in the corner and turn on your praise and worship music and get out your Bible and say, oh God, it's me that stands in the need of prayer and I'll not leave this spot until you show up. I'll wrestle with you all night long if I have to. I'm not Know that when I send the trial your way, you will start saying something different than you're saying now. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You have to speak faith. You have to declare faith. And the Lord says, I, don't, I can't have a champion that is spewing out all these negative things about not trusting God. You're never going to destroy anything. You can't, even bring, you can't even bring your own thoughts into captivity yet. You're never going to kill the giant in somebody else's life. But I'm not looking for somebody that just wants to be free. I'm looking for somebody who can set a whole nation free. I'm looking for somebody that can set a generation free. I'm looking for somebody who can set a family free. I'm looking for somebody that's not just trying to feel better, but somebody who's trying to live better and wants their whole family to be free for the rest of their life. That's what I'm looking for. And yes, I will send a trial and it will hurt and it will burn, but it will refine you and it will wash your mouth out with soap until you change your language. Now, when you're in the fire, you're at 700 degrees and that's when you're the most vulnerable. So again, watch what you say when you're in the fire. Watch the decisions you make when you're in the fire. So from the fire, it has to go to the anvil, not to the water. If you put this hot steel in the water, it would break. When you take this molten steel out, it's, it's doing like this. It's moving. It's bendable. And you have to put it, the only thing that can handle you when you're hot is your anvil. What is my anvil? Well, spiritually, your anvil is your relationships. Let's be honest. The only people that can handle you when you're hot are the people who really love you. And when you get in the fire, you'll find out who really loves you and who really doesn't love you. Anybody know that to be true? You'll find out who your real friends are and who your real friends aren't. I mean, when you're in the heat, when you're in the battle, when you're in the fire, you'll find out who loves you. But when you're in the fire, that is when you need relationships more than any other time in your life. The anvil of the spiritual blacksmith shop is the people that God put in your life to catch you, to hold you, to direct you. People who can even say, you don't need to be saying that. Now, don't you talk like that. If you don't have anybody in your life that can't say that to you, you are dangerous. If you don't have anybody in your life that you will allow to correct you without you huffing and puffing and getting an attitude, you're dangerous. I'm just telling you the truth. 
Who in your life can be honest with you even to the point that you don't want to hear it? Because if you have no one in your life to catch you when you're at 700 degrees, you're never going to grow, you're never going to learn, and you'll end up going through it again because you have to learn because you are a, you are a weapon and God is using you as a, as, a, as a great weapon in his hand. So what is my anvil? Well, your friends and your family, now they care more about you than they do your mission. So they only want you to survive. But then you have your partners and they care more about the mission really than you. They don't want to tell you that, but they really do. They, they want what you can give them and they want the mission to succeed. So they're going to be with you because they want the mission to succeed. And then you have your mentors and that's where it breaks down for most people. Most people have some partners in life who love what they're doing and admire their gifts and talents. Most people have some friends. I will tell you, the higher you get in leadership, the fewer of all of that you have. And that is the danger point of leading, especially at 700 degrees. Because when you're on fire at 700 degrees and you're going through, a, you're going through the fire and you don't have anybody to catch you, that is when you are the most dangerous to yourself, your organization, and everybody else around you. So you have to have mentors. What does a mentor do? Your mentor cares about you because they know that until you get healed, you will not finish the mission. So you have people in your life that will say, listen, we're gonna get through this together. We're gonna make it together. They may not be family, but they are more than a friend. They are people who will speak into you. And I wanna tell you, if you don't have anybody like that in your life, uh, you know, I'm not getting any younger, and I'm not gonna talk about how old I am, but I'm not getting any younger. And the one thing that's been hard for me is that I've always loved being the brother. And when the Lord told me it's my time to be the father, I took that really hard. So wait a minute, I wanna be the brother. God says, you're not cool enough to be the brother anymore. You gotta be the father. You're cool enough to be the father. You're just not cool. Listen, I'm, I'll never be as cool as some of you guys are cool. It's, it's just not gonna happen again. I was cool when I was your age, but never again. I just have to be cool for me. And I'm okay with the cool that I am right now. So, so you know what, if you don't like it, I'm sorry about that. I'm okay with my kind of cool. But I have to be cool for my generation. But here's what I know, is that the older I get, the more people I end up mentoring. No more people, but here's what I've learned about all the people I mentored. Not all of them can take correction. I, I cannot tell you how many people have come to me and said, will you be my spiritual father? And the first time I correct them, they get mad at me and won't speak to me for a month. Say, so, wait a minute. Did you ask me to be your spiritual cheerleader or your spiritual father? Because a father is going to help you grow. A father is going to give you discipline. A father is going to show you the places, show you the, 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 how, how to get through the ropes of life. If you want a cheerleader, then don't ask for a father. If you want a brother, go find a brother. You want a sister, find a sister. But if you want a father, accept everything that comes along with spiritual parenting, which means I'm going to tell you what's best for you because I love you that much and I see the potential in you and I want you to be everything that you can be and you need people like that I have a spiritual father who's a mentor of mine who's now 76 years old and every now and then I go in and and eat lunch with him I'm way overdue right now and this is what I've told him you have permission every time we get together I say Dr. Vest his name's Lamar Vest some of you know him I say Dr. Vest I said you know that if I need correction, I'm expecting you to correct me. He says, I know that. And when I think you need correction, I will correct you. 
and he has corrected me. He hasn't lately, so I'm, I think I'm on a good run right now. But, uh, but he can, and here's the thing, if Dr. Vess corrects me, I'm not gonna pout. I'm gonna straighten up, and I'm gonna fly right. Because I need that. He only does that. First of all, I want him to do it. And secondly, he only does that because he loves me. And if you don't have people that catch you when you're 700 degrees, you are gonna burn your own house down. You need somebody that can catch you when you are in the, the anvil catches the hot steel and doesn't let it fall to the ground. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. See, here's the thing you need to understand. People say that you learn from experience. Well, that's not entirely true. You really don't learn while you're getting the experience. As a matter of fact, most of the time when I'm in the fire, I just want to get out. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm just trying to survive. I'm not learning anything in the moment. I'm just trying to breathe. I'm just trying to get up. I'm trying to put one foot in front of the other. I'm trying to keep going in the middle of that. It's later when you reflect upon the experience that you get all the wisdom. It's later when you realize there was a fourth man in the fire. It was later when you realize that you could have died, but God did not leave you there to die. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God brought you out. You didn't think you would survive, but here you are. You are still here, and you are still in the fight. It's later that you realize that God made a way when there seemed to be no way. It's later that you realize there was an unseen hand guiding you in those moments when you thought you were by yourself. It's later when you realize the mercy of God did not judge you by all the foolishness that came out of your mouth, but he kept you in the midst of it all. It is later when you realize that God did not leave you in the hands of your enemy. Anybody besides me glad that God did not leave you? If the enemy would have had his way, you would be in the graveyard tonight. You would be in the jail tonight. You would be in the insane asylum tonight. But God in his mercy, rich in love and joyful mercy came down and said, I'll not leave you there. I will pluck you out and give you a fresh journey and a new day. It's later when you realize that your survival was not because you were so strong because in the fire you don't feel strong at all. But your survival is because of one thing you did not quit. You, that's what this is all about. It's about endurance. Just keep going. Just keep getting up. Just keep believing. Just keep singing. Just keep declaring. Even when you don't see the breakthrough yet, just keep going. Don't quit. And then there's the hammer. The hammer is the part that we don't really want to hang around very long because it's beating us to death. And a, a blacksmith hammer is two to three pounds. Two things will happen if the hammer is used the wrong way. First of all, if you come down too hard and beat it too hard too long, you'll break it instead of bend it. 
The second thing is the blacksmith will damage his, rota his rotator cuff. He has to learn to let the hammer do the work instead of trying to force it to do the work. So what is my hammer? So if the anvil of the relationships in my life, what is the hammer? The hammer are my spiritual disciplines. When God is forging me into a champion, he has to put pounding disciplines in my life. Things like prayer, things like reading my Bible. I wanna tell you something. You may not be reading your Bible regularly, but you let trouble break out at your house. I promise you the Bible comes off the shelf. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You may not be praising God in your kitchen. You let trouble come to your house. Next thing you know, you got Carrie Job in the corner and you're in the other corner doing one of these. I mean, you just let, you let trouble come to your house. You let trouble come to your house. You don't think you have a prayer life? Oh, just let God cause you to lose two or three nights of sleep. You'll be, you'll pray in every room of the house. Let me tell you what happens when you get in the fire. You will get out the oil. You will, you will anoint every door in your house. You'll even go anoint the neighbor's house if you have to. You'll do whatever you have. You become so desperate that you get disciplined. Get that. You become so desperate. You do what you should have been doing. I pray more. I read more. I worship more. I study more. I'm getting close to God because the hammer is molding me into everything God wants me to be. And then finally, the water. And the water is my resting place. The water is called resting the steel. If you don't rest the steel, it can never be molded. So the steel, the purpose of the water, even though it's gonna go back in the fire later, it's gonna go back to the anvil and the hammer later. If you don't rest between the blows, if you don't rest between the fires, the steel will never make it. It has to rest. I don't know if you've prayed this prayer. I know I have. Lord, just give me a rest from this. Can you just send me an angel bigger than this? Let's let him stand by me for a few months. I, I, know I, didn't, I know I didn't pass all the tests, and I know it's like the driver's test. I gotta take it again. I don't like it, but I gotta do it because I, I failed this time. I know you've never been there, but I have. Lord, I, I, didn't, I know you were trying to make me stronger than that, and I didn't pass the test, so I know it's coming back, but can you just give me a break? You know what God does in his love and mercy? It just like goes away. I don't have to deal with it. I have to think about it. I don't have to feel it. I just live my life for a while, and I'm in the water. One of the things that God's people need to learn is how to rest, the law of the sabbatical. You know, intercessors, I know we have a lot of amazing intercessors here. Intercessors are at high risk here because they never rest from that. And they live their life from one battle to the next battle, and after a while, how do I know Dr. B, that I need to rest from being an intercessor for a while. When you start praying more out of fear than out of faith. When I've become weakened to the point that my prayers are, I'm afraid these things are gonna happen, so I have to pray harder and harder and harder. That's my indication that I need to go to the water. That's my indication that the Lord wants me to rest and come back stronger in the battle after I've rested. But if I don't rest, I'm never gonna finish. If I don't rest, I'm never gonna make it. A new coal miner went to a work camp in West Virginia, and at the end of the day, he heard the whistle blow. He was so thrilled because he was tired of bending over and picking at that coal all day long in that mine 
when the whistle blew, it was his first day, he came out of the coal mines and he was ready to go home, but he noticed that all the other coal miners said, no, you can't go home yet. You've got to rest your ax. You've got to rest your pickaxe. He said, what do you mean? He said, unless you take the stress out of this pickaxe from working all day long, in the next few days, that pickaxe is going to break because you have all that tension left in there. And they showed him what to do, and this is what they all did. They heated up the pickaxe, and they put it in the water. And they heated it up again, and they put it in the water. They did it three times, and they called that bleeding the stress from the axe. And they said, if you do not bleed the stress out of the axe, after a while, the very weapon, the very tool that is helping you is going to break, and you're going to be in trouble. God's people need to learn how to rest. What does that look like? Oh, this is real spiritual. You're going to love this. Well, first of all, the first part is quite spiritual. It's about resting in God's presence. Worship team, you guys are amazing. Musicians, you're amazing. But every now and then, you need to go to a church where you're not playing and you're not singing and you can just rest in his presence. I, I, I know what energy, I'm a bass player. I, my wife's a keyboard player. I, we, we're musicians. We, I know what it's like to be up here. I know you can never get enough. It's very intoxicating. I get that. And in our day when we were out there playing music and do, doing studio work and all those things we used to do, we, we couldn't get enough of it. I used to play the bass at Lee uh, Convocation and Lee Chapel, you know, when I was a Lee student. And, and, and I couldn't get enough of it. I, went, I could jam every night if somebody wanted to put together a jam session. But I'm gonna tell you something. It's great to use your gift, but you don't ever wanna start hating what you used to love. And every now and then, you need to rest as good as you are. You need to go into a worship service and worship when you don't have to do anything just to find out if you're still worshiping. You need to go in there when somebody else is singing and somebody else is playing and see if your hand still goes up. You need to rest. Intercessors, if you want to fight the fierce battles every now and then, you need to know when to say, I need a month off. I'll be back later. I'm not quitting, but I've got to rest from these battles. They're wearing me out. Because if you don't rest from the battles, the Lord told Abraham to rest from the battles. Preachers have to do the same thing. Sometimes I have to go into a church where I'm not preaching. Now, almost every service I'm in, I'm in church all the time, but I'm preaching all the time. I'll be preaching all weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, this weekend in Chicago. I'm preaching all the time. I'll be praying Thursday night. I'll be preaching Friday night. I'll be preaching on Saturday. I'll be preaching on Sunday. I'll be back in the office on Monday. That's what my week, that's what, that's the week I'm staring at right now. And then I'll be back here preaching on Tuesday. Sometimes I have to go to church when I'm not doing anything. And I just want to be there. And let somebody fill me up with the word. And let somebody sing to me one of the songs of Zion. That's one of the things that I need. Another thing is your family. Now, somebody needs to hear this. Your family is supposed to be your place of rest, your home. If your home is not your resting place, something's not right. Something's out of alignment. Something's not right. You should be able to go home and rest. You should be able to be with your family and not be stressed out. It's the place that God wants you to rest. And then finally, you need to have some fun. The Bible says that laughter does the heart good like a mess. Anybody got a friend that just makes you laugh? Hang on to that friend. I want to tell you, hang on to that friend. We used to love to go to uh, Six Flags in Mid-America when we were in St. Louis on 
gospel choir day. And it was because all the choirs of the St. Louis area would come out and I wanted to find me a choir. I wanted to find me a choir full of black folks because I knew I was going to have a good time. And I would follow them around all day at Six Flags and there was this, there was this big old ship thing that go up and down just like that. And I'd ride that thing almost all day long because those women in that choir, they made me laugh more than anything. I mean, it was such a stress relief. It was like they were having the time. I rode it with a few white people, didn't do the same thing. It just didn't happen. And we're going, woo-wee, not these black folks. Man. Ah! And it made me do the same thing. And I was having the time of my life. And I told Faith, I'm never going to miss Gospel Choir Day at Six Flags ever again. It's just like, it just saved my life. I just wanted to go every time they had a, I want to go to Gospel Choir Day at Six Flags. I want to hear the choir singing. I'm going to ride all the roller coasters with all the choirs because they are out there to let off some stress. And it was absolutely amazing. It was so much fun. Okay, I'm going to close with this. I was going to talk a little bit more about the blacksmith, but I'm going to close with this. God puts you through a process, and God needs some blacksmiths who can put the tools in your hands to fight the good battles. There's a group out there called MAD. Anybody ever heard of MAD? Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. And this group, they're rightly named because they got mad that their kids were being hit by drunk drivers and killed by drunk drivers. And they formed an alliance to say, we're going to change something. And you know what their motto is? Let me, let me, I want to make sure I give it to you exactly, exactly the right way. Hang on one second. It's already locked me out. Their motto is, no more victims no more broken hearts. I like that. Here's a group, not in the name of God, here's a group in the name of MAD that is out there saying, no more victims and no more broken hearts. God needs somebody. God needs somebody that says, I know I've been through some pain, but I'm not gonna whine about it. I'm gonna grow from it. I know what I went through was hard, but it was not wasted. I know that God has put me through a process, but he did not waste his time. I went through the fire, but it was not just about me hurting. It was about me learning. It was about me growing. I went through a fire, and my new best friend is the fourth man in the fire. I I have gone through something, but it wasn't just about me. I'm mad enough to set somebody free. God needs somebody in the spirit realm that says, God, after all I've been through, put a sword in my hand. Let me take out a Malachite. Let me take down a Philistine. I'm tired of instability. I'm tired of God's people being pushed around. I'm tired of God's people being sick. Make a healer out of me. I'm tired of God's people being oppressed. Make a deliverer out of me. I'm tired of God's people being confused. Activate the Holy Spirit in me that I can give them a word from the Lord. I'm tired of God's people being weary. Give me something to prophesy about.
out, Lord. Give me prophecy. God needs somebody that says, it's not been wasted. I don't want any more broken hearts on my watch. I'm gonna take what the enemy meant for evil and I'm gonna turn it for good. I'm gonna take what the devil tried to take from me. You can do one of two things. You can whine and feel sorry for yourself for the rest of your life or you can go into the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from you and set captives free. God needs some SEAL Team 6. God needs some fighters. God needs some warriors. God needs some champions. Not just churchgoers, but champions. Not just prayers, but champions. Not just worshipers, but champions. Anybody been through something that you want God to use you to set somebody else free? Anybody lost your family and you know what it's like to fight that battle? Anybody almost lost your mind and you know what it's like? Anybody been through divorce? Anybody been through bankruptcy? Anybody been through debt? Anybody had to crawl out of addiction before? If you have, don't waste it. If you have, use it to set somebody free. No more victims. No more broken hearts. No more victims. No more broken hearts. Not on my watch. God, what I went through wasn't easy, but it wasn't wasted. I'll fight that battle now because you brought me out and I know the way out. Hallelujah. I know how to get out of that battle and I will set the captives free. Send your feet all over the room. Hallelujah. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.